thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Scotty, come on. Oh man, y'all having a good morning in church so far? I don't know about you, I hate when Zach goes to the camp, but I love when he comes back because he is full of it, and uh, the Holy Spirit is the it, and he has amazing stories, and I don't know about you, but that just got me jazzed up. I am stoked on that. I love, I hate when he's gone. I hate when he's gone, but I love when people are out on mission, and they get to come back, and they get to tell us all the amazing and wonderful things that our God is up to. Amen? Amen. Yo, how good was worship this morning? the earth, but what 
good as salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No, lights, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket instead. A lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let's pray. Let's get it. Sound good? Amen. Father God. Father God, we just thank you so much for this home. We thank you so much for this building. We thank you so much for this sanctuary, God. God, where it's far less about a light show or good music, it's more about occupying your presence, God. We live in a day and age where everyone wants to occupy all these different spaces, but take over church, Father. We have just dedicated ourselves to occupying your presence. This is what we want. We didn't call an auditorium so that people could just gather. God, no, we're here on purpose for a sanctuary today. So Holy Spirit, right now, we're not making room for you, God. We're just giving you the whole room, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Whatever you want to do in these next few moments that we have, God, just come like the wind and fall on your people. God, we're believing for words of knowledge today. We're believing for words of healing today. God, we're believing for healings today. God, we're believing for people to be set free today. God, we're believing for a move of God in this place. God, light us on fire for you. Spark within us and spark on us, Holy Spirit, today so we can burn bright for you. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said, Amen. Amen. The burning ones. The burning one. So here we have Jesus. Who loves Jesus? Come on, somebody. I love me some Jesus. So this is right where Jesus' ministry is starting. This is right when the church is just beginning. This is right where the Sermon on the Mount is happening. His first big, like, here I am. I'm Jesus. This is what God says to do. This is the moment the Beatitudes just happened. Jesus got to talk about adultery a minute ago. And all of a sudden, he looks at what his disciples are, what his church will be, and he begins to speak directly into the beginnings of the church. The beginnings of the church. When Jesus lays this out for his disciples, you are a city on a hilltop. You are a lamp on a stand giving light to everybody in the room. When he lays this out, it is the mission and it is the mantle of the local church. Now friends, real quick before we go any further, there's something that was pressed on me this morning that I kind of feel like we have to address real quick if we're going to be able to receive this word. You see, for a lot of us, you maybe you grew up in church, maybe you've been in church for a while, maybe you've been hurt by the church, but at some point within church, you have heard you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hilltop. You've heard this phrase, and for a lot of us, I know because when God laid it out my heart, I got a little juvenile with it, and I was going, God, that's just kind of basic. God, that's just kind of elementary, or elementary, depending on how you pronounce that. But God, that's just a little basic Christianity. And God just said, Matt, remove yourself from that religious spirit. And I want to challenge anybody who had a religious spirit go off when I brought this scripture up this morning. Move away from that religious spirit because God himself says, my word is alive, it is active, it is sharper than any double-edged sword, able to cut between bone and marrow. It can cut between things that should not be cut between. Okay? This is the word of God. So if this was good enough, for the beginning church, it's good enough to take over church. If Jesus saw it was fit to make this analogy in the beginning, then it's still fit for his church here and now. I'm appreciating anybody. Come on, somebody. We are the burning ones. The second, the second we as Christians begin to think anything in the word of God, anything from God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the whole inspired word of God, the second we go, this is beneath me. This scripture is less than this portion is basic. I'm so beyond this. I've evolved beyond this. That is bird bath. That is milk. Where's the meat? The second we get that, we have cut ourselves off from being a burning one. Instead, we'll be dead in the water. The second we decide within our hearts that anything that our God ever said or said was best for us or put in his word for us to live by, the second we decide this is less than us, this is basic, the second we have that within our heart, you're dead on arrival. 
We want to be burning ones today. Yeah. Not religious ones. Yeah. We want to be burning ones today. So Jesus in this moment, again, is a sermon on the mount. He's laying it out for his disciples. He's laying it out for the beginning church. And he says, he says this incredible statement that I feel like, man, often, again, we heard it in Awana, we heard it in Sunday school, and we just goes one ear out the other. Yeah, I'm the light of the world again, and we just think it's this, I don't even know, just this basic, fluffy instruction. Yeah, I get it, I'm the light of the world. Yeah, that's nice, isn't that, good? Isn't that great, isn't that cute? Oh, it looks really great on Pinterest, and I can put it in a picture, and be the light of the world, hey. And we just move past it. But this is Jesus' first message, his first sermon. He's beginning it all right now, and he looks at what will be his church, his body, his bride, you and me. And he says, you are a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You are a lamp on a stand giving light to the whole house. Giving light to the whole house and let your good works shine before all men so they may praise your God. And here we are in our hubris in 2021, thinking this is beneath us. I have evolved. I have ascended. In this moment, this is not basic. This is a mantle. This is a mantle that is being placed on top of the church. Do you know what a mantle is today? Does anybody have a clue what the word mantle means? A lot of people will think mantles like a place in their home or above a fireplace or something like that. No, an actual mantle by definition is a robe and or a cloak that is bestowed or placed upon you to show significance. Placed upon you to show significance, to show purpose, to show intent, to show that you have a role, that you are a person that is placed in specific places for a specific time, for a specific mission. This is to show like a king would have a mantle, like a prince would have a mantle, like a princess would have a mantle, like a general in an army would have a mantle. When Jesus brings this up, he is placing a mantle upon his people. And when he puts this mantle on them of the burning one, you are a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, that cannot be ignored. You are a light on a stand made to burn bright for all of the house to have light. When he places that on you, this isn't elementary. This isn't Christianity 101. This is Holy Spirit AP, okay? This is not in elementary. It's not even the same school district. This is the mission of the church. Your mission, there's an alarm going off. I'm so glad that we have a church where someone's car can be getting stolen in the parking lot. I'm kidding, Lord, silence. But this is the mission and the mantle of the church. Noise. We got it. Whatever. I mean, we didn't get it, but somebody's going to get it, and it's going to be fine. Back to the Word of God. Man, I feel like there's just been useless distractions this morning. And it's our part as a church that uh, mic flarebacks or car alarms don't disturb us from what the Holy Spirit is doing. So let's just realign our hearts right now, get our minds back in the right place, and open ourselves back up for the Word of God. Because... Yeah, that kind of stuff is bordered by darkness, just so you know. It's a distraction. We cancel that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on. So here's the mantle that Jesus places on his church. And we begin in this moment. We see Jesus. Let me get back in. I'm trying to find where the Lord is at right now. And we see Jesus. He lays this out. And he says something so significant because... The reason this mantle is not basic and the reason this mantle is not elementary or elementary this morning 
is because what Jesus is saying here and speaking to is actually deeper than what we think. It is threefold. There are three things in this that he is speaking to and speaking over and laying out for the foundation of the church that will be and the church that is to come. Three things that we do not move from. So as elementary as it may seem or foundational as we may think it is, this is actually advanced in the kingdom of God. And we just get uh, over inundated by it and we just start to think that it doesn't have that much significance in our daily lives. But friends, let me tell you, this is the most important part. This is the most important part. Okay. So he's speaking of three things here. When Jesus speaks to you, you are a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. He is speaking to the church. When Jesus says that you are a lamp on a stand giving light to every single person in the home, he's speaking to the individual Christian. And when Jesus is speaking about it being lit up, when Jesus is speaking about you being a lamp, when Jesus is speaking about a light, he is speaking about the infilling and the indwelling and the purpose and the mission of the person, Holy Spirit, that is designed to burn within you. He's speaking to your relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. He is speaking to the fire inside of the Christian. So when Jesus, he lays this all out for his disciples, you've got to know everything in the word of God is on purpose. We talked about it last week. Everything in there, the specific language was so intentional, was put in there with such a purpose. When Jesus says, you're going to be a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I find that incredibly funny. Like, I laugh at that. I see that and I go... I think Jesus is wisecracking, but everybody's so religious and got their panties in a bunch, okay? And they're just thinking it's super serious and this stuff. No, no, no. It's serious, the first part, and then he says you can't be hidden. And I'm going, well, yeah, no, duh. Like, there's no giant blanket that we can just drape across Grand Rapids, you know? Like, of course. Like what Jesus is saying is here, he's speaking to what the church will be. He says, you're going to be a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And it's like, yeah, that's logical. Like, duh. And so when I read that, I'm just laughing because I'm saying, I think Jesus is just kind of making a joke and saying, you are the city on a hilltop and you cannot be hidden. Well, what does that mean, Jesus? Well, it means just that. You cannot be hidden and you cannot be ignored. You cannot be hidden as you cannot be ignored. You see, what Jesus is speaking to here is that the church was never intended to be benign. The church was never intended to just simply be an institution that existed but never stirred anything up. It never changed anything. The church was never intended to simply be put in a corner. Nobody puts church in a corner. Dirty dancing reference. The church was never intended to be put in a corner. The church was never intended to be silent, to be voiceless, to be directionless, to be tucked away off to the side, causing no trouble for nobody. The church was never made to be silent. And so when Jesus is speaking to this, he's saying, of course, mission, mantle, here you go. When God gives you a Mantle, how many of you know, the mantle is both a covering and it's an anointing. It is authority and it is action. He puts the mantle, the cloak, the robe, he places that on you. That signifies your authority and it's to provoke you to action. Yeah, that's good. See, the city on the hilltop, it cannot be hidden. We live in such a time where it's like the world just thinks the church should be silent, don't they? They think the church should be tucked away in a corner somewhere. The world, we live in a time and a place and it's like this. It's like, oh, you know, that's just the church. They're out there. They're off to the side. Yeah, like they're a part of civilization, but they don't really have much of a voice like you know, they got these archaic beliefs. They still believe there's only two genders. Like, there's this church over here that just thinks everybody was born with a purpose and they're not some happy accident. Like, they're just off in the corner to themselves, harmless. 
I don't believe the intention for the church was to ever be harmless. Now that might rub some of us the wrong way because we might think of church hurt, we might think of other things, and yeah, there are some muddy things in our history, but she is still a beautiful bride. Don't you mess with Jesus' bride. Right. Best believe, I catch somebody talking trash about my wife. It's going down in the parking lot. Jesus feels the same way about his bride, his church, okay, friends? That is his queen, the apple of his eye, whom he's coming back for as dirty or clean as she may be. Right. That is his wife. Don't play with it. But we hear that phrase, the church is harmless. Yeah, they get a tax break, but they ain't got no team. They ain't got nobody in legislation. They ain't got no TV channels. They don't have anybody on no news network. That's just the church, and they are harmless. The phrase, harmless church, disturbs me to my core. Not that we would ever intentionally set out to harm anybody. That's not what that means. Right. Friends, the sooner we get this understanding, the sooner we get comfortable with the fact that, guess what? Light is offensive to darkness. Yeah. Light is offensive to darkness like fire is offensive to the cold, okay? Light is offensive to the darkness like a fire is offensive to the cold. The light never goes up to darkness and goes, hey, pal, how you doing today? Hey, cool, if I come shine over here a little bit, can you just move it over? Can you just go over there just a little bit? Just a little bit more. You can have all that area. Just have all of this. Have everything over here in darkness to yourself. I just want to get a light up right over here. Light doesn't ask darkness for permission. Light doesn't ask darkness to scooch over on the bench. Light doesn't come in polite. Light comes in and it takes over whatever the darkness currently possesses. Light is made to consume, not to ask to make room. Fire is always offensive to the cold. It doesn't come in and say, let me warm this up for these people over here. No, when a fire comes in, it's made to consume. When a fire comes in, it's made to grow. A fire doesn't just get maintained. A fire doesn't just stay the same size. It is either thriving or it is dying. to every other name. The more faithful, the more daring, the more audacious and full of faith we will be. The name Jesus is offensive to every other name. The name Jesus is offensive to Republican. The name Jesus is offensive to Democrat. The name Jesus is offensive to whatever bullcrap is out there. Yeah, I said that. I'm not sorry, okay? The name of Jesus is so offensive to every other name that every other name must bow when it's spoken. The name Jesus, friends, the name Jesus is offensive to Matt. The name Matt McClure is offended by the name Jesus. Why? Because he's good and he's perfect and he's who he says he is and he's who he says I can be. The name Jesus is what he says I can be. It's what he says you can be. It could be Zach. It could be Deanna. It could be you. It could be Jody. It could be Allison. The name Jesus is so offensive that every other name has to bow before it. Jesus walks in the room and the name Reese must bow before it. Love you, man. The name Jody must bow before it. The name Matt McClure must bow before it. It is above me. It is beyond me. But it is something that he is calling me to. And we have got to get comfortable with this. Harmless church. No, I have no sympathy for darkness, and I certainly have no sympathy for the devil. Yeah, yeah. 
not going to be a church that is ignorable. When Jesus says, man, I like Paul the Tebow for a second. That was nice. Stop more often. It's a word for somebody. You see, Jesus says the church is a city on a hilltop. It cannot be hidden. Well, yeah, no doubt, Jesus, of course, said it can't be hidden. Well, what do you mean? The church cannot be ignored. But what if it is, Jesus? Scott, we're going there today, okay? Just, you know, put your uh, Pentecostal seatbelt on and get ready for it. Charismatic with a seatbelt. You see, the church. If it can be ignored, and if it can hidden, be hidden, then we are not fulfilling our assignment. Right. Yeah. But if a church could be ignored, if a church could be hidden, if somehow the church could be eclipsed by the things that are going on, you see, a church is a city on a hilltop that cannot be ignored. You see, we have to continue to have a fire inside. How does a church stay lit? church will remain lit as long as its people are lit. A church will remain lit. A city on a hilltop will remain lit if every home, if every structure, every building within the city has its lights on. Yeah, that's good. You see, nobody pays attention to the ashes smoldering in the night. Nobody pays attention to the smoking rubble off in the distance consumed by the darkness. But when you drive by, when you walk by, when you come by, when you go right around the river bend, and all of a sudden, there is a city on a hilltop that is shining so bright in the night, it is like it is a beacon of hope, a lighthouse in the darkness, beckoning in the lost ships to safety. That's the church. A church will only be ignorable when the fire inside its people go out. A church can only be ignored when the fire inside of its people go out. Man, I just feel like, I just feel like right now there's just an awakening in this room for the church. We're just coming back to what God wants to do with his bride. Because yeah. we have to keep our lights on. We have to keep our fire burning. You see, Jesus, again, this is so specific with the language because he speaks now to the Christian. He speaks now to the Jesus follower. He's talked about the mantle and the mission of what the church is to be. It's to be a sanctuary calling out in the darkness. This is home. It's lit here. That's both this generation's vernacular and the Bible's vernacular. It's lit here. But then he speaks to the Christian, and it's so specific. He says, Christian, Jesus follower, you are a lamp placed on the stand, giving light to everyone in the house. You know, in 2021, we probably don't catch the fact that this was 2,000 years ago. And 2,000 years ago, there weren't these nifty little lights that are up here making me look like a raccoon in my face, okay? There wasn't these nifty lights. There wasn't a really sweet, you know, Ikea lamp that we drove three hours to get for $25,000. Like, there wasn't any of these halogens. There wasn't any LEDs. There wasn't anything electrical, okay? When Jesus says you are a lamp placed on a stand, he's talking about like an oil lamp. He's talking about a fire. He's talking about a light that is a fire, that is a flame, that is an ember, that is placed within, uh, on a top of a lampstand, and it is there to bring light to the entire house. Yeah. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Well, one, we got to remove the fact that this isn't just, you know, Motel 6. We picked the light out for you. That's not what this is. This isn't LEDs. This isn't halogens. What this is, is a fire that God gives his people. Yeah. And if that fire is not tended to, 
if that fire is not looked after, if that fire is not blown on, if that fire doesn't have oxygen, if that fire isn't being tended to and provoked to grow, isn't being allowed to consume everything in the room, if that fire isn't being fed, that fire will go out. So what does that mean for the Christians? He's saying this. Friends, in order for the church to be a beacon of hope to the world, you have to stay lit. And not just stay lit, friends, not just stay lit. Staying lit is the bare minimum. Staying lit is when all of hell has a target on your back, and it's just really hard at the moment. But those are moments, and they will pass. They are a clip in your story. They are a punctuation mark in your chapter. There is more ahead of you than what is behind you. So you just got to get through those moments where you're attempting to stay lit. And you got to get that fire going again. It has to be burning. It has to be all-consuming. If the church is going to be all that God says she can be, then her members, her parts, you have to remain ablaze. You have to remain on fire. One of the really specific things here. One of the really specific things here is this is an assignment. This is an assignment. He says, got the authority. Now I need some action. And part of that action, friends, is you fighting to stay ablaze. You fighting to keep that fire going. It is, it's not just instrumental. It is paramount to the success of the kingdom of God in the earth that you stay ablaze. You want to know how I know that? Because I think Jesus makes another joke. I think Jesus makes another joke. He makes it real plain and simple. What Jesus says here is what none of us want to hear today, but it's the God honest truth, and we have to go there. I'm sorry. I love you too much not to tell you what God says about us, okay? He says, you are a lamp unto a stand, giving light to everyone in the room. Friends, if our light goes out, everyone's in darkness. If our light goes out, everyone's in darkness. If our light goes out, darkness consumes. And guess what? No one in the room can see where they're going. And no one in the room will know the dangers that lie ahead of them without your light. Without your light, people won't know what's beside them, behind them, or in front of them. If your light goes out, how are those you have been leading with how you live, with how you love, with how you talk, with how you prophesy, with how you pray, how will they know where to go in the room? How will they know how to move forward if they don't have you to guide them and to show them and to light a path for them? If your light goes out, darkness consumes the room. Jesus says, you're a light unto every room. Pastor Matt, what does that mean, a light unto every room? What does that mean? That means every room. That means every room. That means every room that God just gives you the grace to live and exist in. The second your feet pass that threshold, guess what? You're the lamp in that room. You're the light in that room. You're the light in that bar. You're the light in that place. You're the light in downtown. You're the light at the club. You're the light everywhere. I don't care how many strobe lights are happening at Electric Forest or Coachella or wherever you find yourself. The second you find yourself there, you are the light. You know what that means? You're the light. That means it's your job to light that place up for the love of Christ. For the purpose and mission of Christ. You know what that means? That means that should probably make you take inventory of your actions when you go to the bar. Yeah. You probably won't drink as much or be as loose as much. And I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about being the light. You probably won't do what you would otherwise do if you knew you were walking into the room as the light. Yeah. You know what that means for some of us who maybe we struggle with just Sex, that's a thing. Pornography, Tinder, whatever may have. You know what that means for us? That means that we're a light into every room. And that means when we're in sin and we're sitting here tempted and we're like, yeah, I found this girl on Tinder and I'm going to just go over there and it's going to be this thing and, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man. Like, it's going to be this thing that just happens. No. Because you're a light once your feet pass your threshold. Once your feet pass his threshold. You know what that means? That means you have an assignment once you're there for a weird Tinder date. A 
okay? That means that you're there not to do what you were planning to do. It means there are things that you should not be doing, rooms you should not be going in. And if you're going to go into a room, you've got to understand that you have a mantle, you have a robe, you have a position, you have an authority, and there is an action expected of you as a Christian to light the room up so everyone in it can see. The light has to change how we live. This fire inside has to change how we live. It has to change. It affects where we go, where we don't go, what we say, what we don't say, where we step, because where you step, you should step and proceed with caution because you're carrying the light into that room. You see, Jesus, he says something that I think a lot of Christians, we take for granted. Jesus, just like he says, just like he says, the city is a hilltop and it can't be hidden. He says, because again, it's a fire. You have to understand it. This isn't a light. This isn't a lamp in your home. This is a fire. He says, just like no one lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it. What is Jesus saying there? What Jesus is saying there is if anybody was to go through the trouble of starting a fire, they wouldn't smother it. They wouldn't smolder it. They wouldn't just place something on top of it to suck all the oxygen away from it. They wouldn't just hide it. They wouldn't just eclipse it. They wouldn't do things that would jeopardize the flame. If you knew what they went through to get the oil for the lamp, if you knew what they went through to get this fire going, if you knew what the price was paid, maybe somebody else gave you the light. Maybe somebody else gave you the fire. Maybe somebody else gave you the lamp. If you knew all the cost and price that went into it, well, no, duh, Sherlock. You're not going to put a basket over it. Jesus, what are you saying? As Christians, we don't do anything to jeopardize the fire. As Christians, we don't do anything to jeopardize the fire. I think we should take an honest, in, honest inventory this morning of ourselves and go, am I doing things? Am I consuming Am I talking about? Am I flirting with? Am I going places? Do I have friends in my life, Christian or not? Do I have people who are speaking into this where it is putting a basket over my flame? Am I feeding this or am I suffocating this? What has this looked like? Am I set ablaze for Christ or am I consumed in a basket slowly dying in the quiet? Nobody puts a basket over Jesus saying don't be stupid. Don't be silly. Who would do that? You've been given a fire and it took so much to light this thing up. You're giving light to your entire home, your entire community, your entire workplace. You're giving it to the daycare where you go. You're going all these things. You are a light. You have the greatest mantle on earth. You have the greatest mantle on earth. Why would you put a basket over it? You see, when we read that, and we start to think of elementary, we start to think of a lampshade, and we start to think of a dimming, and we start to thinking in all these very basic terms what Jesus is clearly saying here, because it was a fire. It's not a lampshade for that. You burn it. Nobody puts a basket over this fire. Nobody just decides, man, today's the day where I put my fire out. It's time to go to bed. It's time to go in this direction. It's time to put thee in the light. And Jesus just says this like it's a matter of fact because it is. It's a matter of heaven. And when it's a matter of heaven, it's expected from his Christians. Yeah. If it's a matter of heaven, get that on the inside of you today. If it's a matter of heaven, it is expected of his Christians. And he's saying, little Christ, little you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Let's just get very honest about this for just a second. Jesus has called you. He has called little old you and little old me. And he has called me by name. And not only has he called me by name, he's giving me his mantle. And with that are his expectations. He called your name. Gave you authority and an assignment. 
the creator of the universe, thought enough of you to call out your name from the darkness of which you were in and drag you back to light. And for so many of us, so often, our response is to put a basket over this fire that he has given us. church, if you're not in time and community with people outside of this place, if you are not feeding your fire, spending time with your Father in His presence, that fire will go out. You see, so many Christians are fighting the wrong fight. Right now, it's 2021, and all these things are dark, and it's crazy, and we're trying to figure out where we fit, and so many Christians are buying into the light from the pits of hell that right now, it's survival mode. No, 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 The second we decide that we just are trying to keep our flame afloat, so to speak, we're just trying to keep this thing lit. We just got to survive this next season. Like, oh, it's going to implode, and it's going to pop, and it's going to go back to normal. There's all these things. Now, we're just in survival mode. Friends, the Holy Spirit, what Jesus placed on the inside of you, what he calls you to, there is no survival mode. There is only revival mode. There is no survival mode. There is only revival mode. If you are trying to safeguard your faith and safeguard it from all these things, and you're trying to play juke and box out from basketball practice with your faith from the world, friends, not only are you walking out in inferior faith, you're allowing the darkness to control how you live, how you believe, what your faith is in, because you're just trying to keep this little light of mine and keep you away from it. This little light of yours, just like the song, you got to let it shine. And not only can it shine, it has to grow, and it has to consume, and it has to beat back the darkness as hard and as confusing and as difficult as that may get in the coming hours as Christians. That is our mantle. Friends, this fire on the inside of you, it's not meant for survival out in the cold. It's meant to bring revival to the world. This isn't some Leonardo DiCaprio Revenant movie, Revenant movie, where you have a fire out in the woods in some crazy old country times where you're just fighting to stay warm with this thing. No. This isn't about survival. The Holy Spirit has only ever been about revival. What good is a fire if it goes out? What good is the flame if it goes out? It's not bringing light to anybody. It's not bringing warmth. See, the thing about a fire off in the distance is it says there's people there. There's hope there. There's life there. There's life beyond those trees. In the darkness, I am shrouded in. There is hope. That's why it's not made for survival. That's why it's made for revival because it beckons everybody else to come to it. When it comes, it begins to create such a flame and such a fire and such a whisper from heaven that it's calling out to all people. It's not survival for a few. It's revival for everybody. Jesus, moments before this, he says, look at the salt if it loses its saltiness. And Jesus answers his own question like he so often does. And he goes, it's only good to be thrown out and trampled on by men. What good is it for you, for your marriage, for your identity, for your self-esteem, for who you are as a single person, for your life, for your calling, for your innermost being, the thoughts that you have about yourself, for your identity fight? What good is it for your neighbor who's more confused than ever because they haven't tasted and seen what the Lord is good, but they've heard of your faithfulness and they've experienced you? What good is it 
for those people that you are praying for to come to church, the people you are praying for to come to the Lord, what good is it if you go quietly into the cold, dark night? What good is it if you shrink back and you allow the embers to burn out? What good is it Jesus is saying? He's just saying, don't jeopardize the fire I've given you. Prioritize it. Don't jeopardize what you should be prioritizing. Friends, that's not proper grammar, but it's good preaching. Okay? Don't jeopardize what you should be prioritizing. Friends, the call and the mantle of the church is to be a city on a hilltop, not a hillside. I think that's important too. We're not on a hillside, we're on the top. This is what the church is designed for. We are literally a lighthouse. If a lighthouse was a city and the infrastructure within it was lit 24-7, but the city will only stay lit if the people stay lit. The city will only be set ablaze if the people are set ablaze. Grand Rapids will only be a beacon of hope for people if Christians decide we're going to be a beacon of hope for people. See the fire of God, worship team, you can make your way up. Yo, is it raining? Let's go. I'm only saying that because I'm inside. You see, when I think about a revival fire, when I think about the burning ones, those that are going to choose to burn, those that are going to choose to be peacemakers when chaos is breaking out in the world, those that are going to stand here, and we are not just going to let the ship go down without a fight, without the Holy Spirit, without giving God every single ounce of us, the burning ones who are willing to die for this. I'm going to think about the burning ones. I think about this portion of scripture in Psalms 104, verse 4. And I believe David wrote, he, said, he says, he makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. When David used the word minister, he's not talking about a pastor or a preacher because uh, while there was rabbis and there was other holy men at the time, uh, my occupation, my calling, this whole deal wasn't necessarily like a thing. There was lots of quote unquote ministers and voices and uh, mediums and all these other things at the time. So what he's speaking to isn't a pastor. Long story short, he's not talking about a pastor. He's talking about his ministers. What is a minister? Someone who administers what somebody else needs. I'm administering this shot. I'm administering this money. I'm administering this food, this fruit. I'm coming to your home and I'm giving you flour. I'm bringing you sugar. I am ministering to you. I am administering, adding value to your life. That's the role of every Christian. We are to be ministers of the fire of God. But watch what he says. His ministers, a flaming Fire. Do you want to know what the definition for a flaming fire is? It's actually a definition. There's a word for it. You want to hear it? Yeah. Here's what Webster has to say about a flaming fire. Burning with or emitting flames. Glowing, brightly, brilliant, intense, ardent, vehement, and passionate. Can I say it again? Yeah. You are burning with, emitting flames. Glowing, brightly, brilliant, intense, or ardent, vehement, passionate. Hey. That's a flaming fire. Yeah, that's you know what good. The, the first part there is though. It says burning with, emitting flames. You know what an emitting flame is? An emitting flame is when little fires, little sparks, little offshoots from the bonfire end up starting other things on fire. An emitting flame is the fly-offs. The emitting flames are the set ones. The emitting flames are what happens when we live as burning ones. So much so that we give everything over. All-consuming fire, have my lust. 
all-consuming fire, half my marriage. All-consuming fire, half my identity, half my self-esteem, half my money, half my car, half my needs, half my hands and my feet, my voice, my lips, my being. Have it consume me, burn brightly. Oh, I got these dead. Church, come on. I got these dead roots in my life. They used to run below, but now my branches are, my roots are running above. My branches are running below, so I got these dead roots in my life. And I'm throwing them on the fire. Consume my relationships. Consume me so much for yourself that you take me away from those people. Burn it so bright and so big that once you are a raging, blazing fire for the Lord, it can't be contained to you and you alone. It starts emitting flames and suddenly your mother's caught on fire. Suddenly your father's caught on fire. Suddenly we got people in Cali, Colombia, tuning in the service because you're set ablaze for the kingdom of God, the Uri Grand Rapids, but they're back home in Colombia tuning in the church because you're on fire. Amen. Suddenly, church, you can stand up. We're going to bring them home. Suddenly, suddenly it's uncontrollable. And no longer are you a burning fire that is timid or shy. But you're emitting such a flame that it's second nature to say, I'll be praying for you at work. Suddenly it's second nature to you to say, hey, come with me, let's, let's just go pray real quick. Suddenly it's second nature to you. It is your first go-to. It becomes your default setting. You're emitting such flames that people around you can't help but be burned, and you can't help but burn them, okay? But light them up. And I'm not talking gaslighting, okay? I'm talking about Holy Spirit lighting. I'm talking about welcoming them home, not chastising them, but cherishing them, okay? I'm talking about emitting such a flame that it's like, yeah, we're going to pray for that right now. Yeah, you can borrow my car for short. How long's your car out for? Here it is. Take it, me and my husband, or me and my friends. I got a roommate. I'll get around. You know, I'll Uber. You got to pay for your car to get fixed. Take mine. I'll call to work, okay? I'm talking about flames that you can't contain. Yeah. See, friends, the church will be ignorable when the fire inside of the people within it go out. Gone are the days that we are content with the embers of old. We need fresh fire faith for the future. Amen? Yeah. You see, friends, we have so many Christians right now in the church at large. We're doing, we're doing routine maintenance on our fire. We're checking in on it every couple days, making sure it's still, you know, going a little bit outside. Maybe it rained the day before, so we run out. Like, oh, it was a hard day yesterday, but let me just go check and make sure me and Jesus are still good. The problem with that is maintenance isn't multiplication. Maintenance of a fire has never multiplied a fire. It has to be consuming. It has to be all-consuming. It has to go into every location and every place. And it has to be ablaze. And it has to be on your face. And it has to be on you. I'm not talking about wearing your takeover t-shirts, your Holy Spirit heavyweight every single day, everywhere you go. No, I'm saying actually being the takeover. Actually being a Holy Spirit heavyweight. Actually occupying where you are for the mission of Christ in the earth. So what we're going to do right now is this. Every head bowed and eye closed. Worship team, what song are we doing? Lover of your presence. We're about to sing Lover of Your Presence. In that song it says, Let this be a sacrifice. Here I dedicate my life to worship you. Maybe today you're feeling like, wow, this just lit me up. This just got me excited. But man, Matt, Pastor, I have just been, I have been in a smoldering coal. I have been in the rain. I've been doing some things that have put a basket on my fire. I've been depriving my faith of its oxygen. I have been quenching the Holy Spirit. I've not been doing what I'm prompted to do when he says to do it. Instead, I've been withholding my flame, and I've been putting my flame out. And honestly, God, I feel like I am nothing but coals and ash right now. If that's you, if that's you, there's no shame in this place, okay? There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Shame off of you. Jesus' name, if that's where you are, it's not a problem. It's only a problem if you stay there, okay?
because here's the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news about fires. The coals, the coals are the hottest part of a fire. The coals are the hottest part of a fire. All you need is one wind from heaven, one breath of God to get low, for him to meet you right where you are and just begin again to flame into, uh, to wind into, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, to fame into fire once again, the coals that have been smoldering. It doesn't matter how long it's been smoldering. It doesn't matter how long you've neglected it. It does not matter how long the upkeep hasn't been tended to right now. There's a multiplication that's available to you and a mini flame that can come from you. And right now, your coals are smoldering. Everyone's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, will you just take an honest moment and just put your hand up, just declaring right now, that's me. Yep, I see that hand. Hands are up all over this place. If that's you, you got some smoldering coals in your faith, feel free to shoot it up because we're gonna we're gonna blow the wind of heaven. There it is. There it is. Wow, come on. All right, all right, all right. Right now. Father God, worship team, you can begin to sing right now. Father God, in this moment, we ask, fall afresh again, God. Right now, Lord, we are looking for that wildfire, brush fire, kind of all-consuming fire from heaven, God. We want that wind that blew by Daniel. We want that wind that blows in your temple when your spirit is here, God. We want that breath of God that you spoke and you breathed into Adam when you made him and into Eve when you made her, God. We want you. We are here for you. And we are bending a knee. Our name is bowing to your name. Lord, we are getting low for you to come and blow. Father God, right now, blow into our coals. Set us on fire again, God. There are mothers in this room right now, God. That life, life has been happening. Work has been all consuming, God. And we want to be consumed by you. These mothers are saying, I want to light my daughters on fire for the kingdom of heaven. I want to light my personal life on fire for the kingdom of heaven. I want a workplace that's on fire for the kingdom of heaven. If that's you as a mother right now, we just say, heaven, blow on them. There are young men in this room right now that your fire has been coals, that right now you got some embers going on, but you want to be a spitfire for heaven. I don't know if it's pornography, I don't know if it's distance. There's someone in this room this morning that's been distant from his brothers in church, and he just wants that connection again. He wants that longing again. He wants those text messages again. If that's you, and you just want to be set ablaze right now, heaven, blow on those embers and set them ablaze again in Jesus' mighty name.